Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I am Dustin Dubuque. And I'm John Hanson. And I am noteless. And I see your notebook because I wrote all my notes. Left them all at work. Because I'm a man like that. So, we are here for another episode of Fun Movie Talk. And I have a very blah week to talk about. So let's talk movie news first. And... What's going on? What is going on? Well, the big MCU news I read was it I think came out yesterday. Gwyneth Paltrow done with the MCU after Endgame. Not completely surprised. No, me either. So now the big question is where does Tony Stark go from here? That's the big headline. Well, I see. she's barely been in any of these movies, right? Um, you know, she was she was good in them, but she's had just a really small part. She hasn't even been in all the Iron Man movies, so right. I'm not really surprised. Yeah, I don't know. I've never understood um, the... Maybe it's because of Iron Man 1. The huge... Uh, what's the good word for it? Uh, connection that people have with Pepper Potts and Tony Stark. I'm like, do you really, though? Like, I mean... I, I like it. I, I think... Um, it's not that job. much of a focus. Um, I mean, it in the was. First, in the first one, it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I thought they did a great job... Um, showing their relationship, and I thought it really gave Tony Stark, um, it made him really likable, um, the fact that he had this woman in his life that really loved him and stuff like that, because his character is kind of, how would you describe him? A little bit uh, sleazy. Uh, sleazy, yeah. sarcastic, and kind of a, you know, I mean, a rich asshole. <laughs> I mean, it's really, I mean, it is. I mean, especially in the first one, that's yeah. like the whole point. And he still kind of is. That's why we like him. Cause he's, he's just a little more down to earth now. Yeah. He's, 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 you know, over the course of the first film, he changes a little bit, but right. the fact that he's got this, this woman in his life that really loves him. And you know, there's that great part in uh, the second one where he gets the new arc reactor and she, she had put the original arc reactor in a little glass case with, oh, a, yeah. with a little note that says, Proof that Tony Stark has a, <laughs> has a heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've liked her. I've, I thought she was great in all the movies that she was in. Um, but I'm not surprised that she's leaving. And I'm I'm not, I don't think she'll be really missed that much. And to be honest with you, I know they got big changes coming to the MCU. So who knows if Iron Man is even going to be in it. It that, could be a different version. That's exactly Man. where I was, I was going to ask going forward with this is Endgame is we know... It's the end of this phase. That's mm -hmm. what they said. They're finally going to give us some sort of conclusion, mm -hmm. as much as you can in a comic book um, or comic book film. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want. Yeah. I mean, moving forward, I mean, that's why when people are like sad that, uh, you know, Chris Evans is done, it's fine. We yeah. don't, we, I don't want to watch Chris Evans for 18 more movies. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what they're gonna do because in the com you know, in the comics, there's all these different versions and a lot of different characters. And over the years, there's been diff all these different versions of the characters. Right. And um, I'm kind of excited to see what direction they're gonna go with it and what they're gonna do next. I do kind of wish that these actors would just keep it a little bit silent when they're gonna quit doing them. Um, Chris Evans told us back before before Infinity Wars even out. Yeah, that he he's was, like, I'm done. Thanks, Chris. Right. It kind of creates Let expectations, and it's like. If you don't want to do it anymore, that's fine. Just let us let us watch the movie and find out 
you know, if your character dies or if the new one comes out and you're not in it, right. let us just figure it out and right. enjoy the movies. Right. But these big movies, they, they, they love to give so much away. Yeah. Well, it, well, and now they're starting to tell you, like, even the opposite. They're starting to tell you, like, who's still involved now. Like, yeah. I, I think I saw not too long ago, like, Scar jo- Scarlett Johansson's still going to be still going to be involved. It's like, okay. She should just get her own movie. I, I think, you know, I think they're prepped and ready. You know, and that we off microphone, we were talking about uh, Captain Marvel and how so far the very early pre-screenings are going well. Of course. Of course. I'm excited. We've, we can't say it enough. Everybody should, that listens to us should know that we are excited for Captain Marvel. Yeah, it um, looks great. It does. And I remember it was a handful of years ago that I, I remember they were going to do a, they talked about doing a Black Widow movie and then there was like a bunch of things that just said they weren't going to do it. And I'm, I'm like, okay. Now she should get it. it. Yeah. Black Widow's interesting. Scarlett Johansson's super marketable. I think she is probably, if not the highest paid actress in the top five, considering she made $20 million for Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was the second highest paid actor in the movie mm-hmm. behind uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I mean, make a movie about her. Right. Scarlett Johansson brings the, brings the box. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, well, I mean, you got to think too. In the end game trailer, there's that big scene too where Tony Stark's talking to Pepper Pops on his, uh, yeah. You know, and that's, it's amazing that that scene gets you. It does. It does. You're like, that's sad. Because yeah. it's the one person that Tony Stark actually is, cares about. Cares about yeah. because he really kind of half cares about everyone else. And yeah. So uh, it's, it's, but yeah, I mean, her, her not being there isn't, uh, I don't think a big deal, no. but again, I, I hope a lot of them, I hope a lot of this, you know, especially some of the characters that have been in multiple movies need to go away for a while. Yeah. If not for a long while, mm-hmm. you know, open the door. I did see, I, again, I try not to watch trailers, but I did see the Shazam trailer. Finally, you've seen it, right? Yeah. It actually looks pretty good. It, uh, again, I've said that I have no idea what it is and I, I planned on not watching the trailer. I got to admit, Looks pretty fun. Yeah, it looks fun. (laughs) Um, I'll check it out for sure. Sure. It's kind of a change of pace from what DC has been doing, but um, I think it looks fun. Yeah, and I just think that's that's more of the like new, just new different characters. You know, DC or MCU. You know, give us those, and I think uh, you know. And if MCU is going to start a whole another ten years worth of movies, uh, we need a bunch of new stuff, or else. Nobody's going to watch them. One thing I did hear about Shazam that I think is a little confusing, at least to me, is um, so Shazam's villain, his his arch nemesis is Black Adam. And I heard that Rock uh, was going to play Black Adam. Right. I thought in this movie, they're saying now that Black Adam won't be in this movie, but he's going to get his own movie. So if this movie comes out and Black Adam's not in it, and then later they make a new movie called Black Adam, and it's got basically Shazam in it, Aren't people going to be confused by that? I think I think so. I don't know. Um, I would think that if if that's going to happen, and let's say Rock is Black Adam, he is. He's okay, he is. He's that's he's why he's getting his own movie. <laughs> well, shouldn't he at least have a small part in this movie? It would so have that, to be small, so that people, when the new movie comes out, they go, "Oh, there's the character that we recognize from the Shazam movie." Totally, unless they do the the typical. But half these movies do end credit scene, and then you get the what forty five second bit of the Rock showing up as Black Adam. Yeah, which then half the theater will go, "What is going on?" Right. I don't even know. I see the Rock that's, though. That's why I think it would have been important to establish him in this movie, 
and then give him his own movie. But I don't know. I don't know. Do you know who the villain is in this? I don't know. I don't know what the storyline is. Is that, again, I know nothing about Shazam. Is that like the, is there other villains to Shazam or is that kind of? Well, the whole DC universe. Well, but, right. But Black um, Adam's the main one. That's his arch nemesis. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I would say that's, that's probably the big part is when you're the highest paid actor in Hollywood, it's hard to play second fiddle to anyone other than. Well, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I thought it was kind of surprising to hear that they're going to just do a separate Black yeah. Adam movie. Interesting. And people are going to be like, uh, that character looks a lot like Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very similar. Right. Um, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Good to know. Uh, a couple of the other things are, so I don't know if we talked about it on here. Sometimes it's hard to remember. Uh, James Cameron has been talking a lot about Avatar 2, 3, and 4. Because he's already announced that there's three sequels coming in the next like seven years to a movie. Everyone, I hang on, and because James Cameron loves to shove his foot in his mouth, <laughs> he's pretty good at it. Uh, he wanted to make sure everyone knew this week that uh, Avatar Two, which is the underwater mm-hmm. one, uh, looks better than Aquaman. So everybody who liked Aquaman is going to be blown away by his underwater world. Uh, uh, is better than Aquaman's. That's what he James Cameron said. loves water. He even goes searching for the Titanic in real life. Um, I mean, we've seen the abyss. Yeah, the abyss loves it. Um, he even did that. He, I think he just produced it, but he did that horrible movie where they go cave diving or something. Uh, I'll look it up. Okay, the name. <laughs> but um, yeah, he loves water. They did a. A documentary about the Titanic that yep. featured him in a, you know, submersible that he went down there. I guess he went looking for it. So, so it wasn't a real big surprise that Avatar Two would take place underwater. Right, um, and he kind of announced that years ago. That's what I was going to say. He's been talking about it for since so the first long. One came out. I know the first one made like billions and billions of dollars based off uh, how pretty it looks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the story is um, pretty bland. Pretty pretty standard stuff, um, but anyway, yeah. So so here it is. How, how many years has it been? It's two thousand nine. Was Avatar two thousand eight? Somewhere in there. So it's been ten years, and I think Avatar two comes out next year. I think twenty twenty. Well, and then Avatar three, I think, is supposed to take place in like outer space or something like that. And then I don't know what the fourth one takes place. And he wasn't going to do four. It was only going to be trilogy. But then the third one. I guess became something even bigger than it was, so he made another one. Who, who again? Who is asking for three more Avatar movies? I mean, uh, just give us a second one. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll go from that. there. Yeah, you start talking about two, three, four, five, six, seven. Who cares? Who cares? Just give us again a movie that's relatively seen ten years later. Hindsight is seen as a movie that really set the standard for a blockbuster to look like what to look like, how gorgeous, but it also like nobody cares really. It's not a movie, a movie that was built up to be this iconic movie, right? Well, for me, it set the standard for the new 3d. Sure. But is it look, nobody looks back on it really as like this movie that, you know, is it, is it looked back upon as like this legendary movie that, is a must watch and a must see for everyone, no matter what, like 
it, 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 that was what it was pushed to be. I remember I saw it twice in the theater. And uh, I remember the second time literally going, this movie's not good. But man, I like watching them run on different rocks and watching the rocks change colors. And as the rains and the bubbles drip and fall, I'm like, it's so cool. I can watch it so many times. Yeah. Um, yeah, the plot was pretty standard stuff. But um, I just, for me, I thought it was an achievement just for the 3D. And I remember when it, I, I saw it in 3D. I think if you saw it in 2D, you probably really don't appreciate it. Yeah, but, I watched both. Um, I saw it in 3D the first time I saw it in the theater. And I remember after that, I wanted to see 3D movies because I, I thought it was so amazing. And all these other movies that had already been shot in, and finished in 2D were converting themselves to 3D. Clash of the Wrath of the Titans was the worst yeah. one of all. Clash of Titans, yes. That was one of the ones I saw. It looked um, terrible in 3D. Right. Oh, yeah. Dark the, and grainy and just looked bad. Like You could tell it was converted. Oh, yeah. You can always tell when a 2D movie's been converted. Uh, that was one of the ones I saw, and then um, I think it was Alice in Wonderland or something like that. But, oh, I watched that in 3D. It's cute. It's fine. But the backgrounds looked flat. Sure. And the, the actors looked like cardboard cutouts in front of the background. It was like two levels of depth. Sure. It wasn't full 3D like Avatar was. So I felt like I was getting ripped off. Sure. And for a while, I quit going to 3D movies because I'm like, I don't know if this is actually 3D or if I'm being ripped off again. Um, so for me, Avatar, I really appreciated just the, uh, the achievement in 3D. Um, the movie I was thinking of that James Cameron produced is called Sanctum. Oh, yeah. Wow. One? Yes, I do. Did you see it? Yes, I did. It's been a while. I mean, I, I watched it the one time yeah. way back when. It was about some people that go exploring a big cave. And basically, they they drowned, um, and you get to see them drown dra uh, graphically right on right on camera. It is kind of disturbing, actually. You remember that? Yeah, you'd see the yeah, actor. I, that's and what I remember. Underwater, and the they their face, and then they would drown. And I don't know how they did it, but uh, I don't need to see that up close. Right, kind of disturbing. Kinda, yeah, kind of put me off. Yeah. I'll talk later uh, about <laughs> drowning and stuff in a, in a short movie I watched. But uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's funny because, yeah, and I, I want to segue that into, you kind of uh, said what I was thinking. Like, they've already said three movies. You know, the other mo thing that I was going to run into, so Jumanji 2 is coming out next year or something with a bunch of other actors and stuff in it. Then I, I read a story today that they're, they just started filming Jumanji 3. Well, there's been two Jumanjis. There was. I meant Jumanji two to the newest one is what they're calling. Oh, it. like they're was, calling it. Yeah, they're calling uh, no, it two. No, it's. I'm sorry. There's, I had that there was wrong. Jumanji with yeah. Robin. I meant, with Robin Williams. Yeah, and I meant that wrong. I meant they're uh, the Rock did. Yeah, the I said that wrong. Yeah, so they're doing the next Jumanji. They're they're finishing wrapping up with that or starting or three. Another. Yeah, and then they've already pretty much announced that they're doing another one. Four. And I'm like, come on, you don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it's probably because Jumanji 2 was a pretty big hit for a movie that I don't think they were expecting to be such a big hit as it was. It made a lot of money. And people liked it a lot. It was alright. I thought it was cute. Yeah. I mean, I didn't come out with, like, thinking, like, this was the best. I mean, I had people that were telling me, like, oh, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I, I'll i tell you something. I've actually never seen the original Jumanji. What are you doing? I know, right? What? Um, I've never seen it. And uh, when the new one came out, I didn't have any interest in it, but I did go see it because so many people were saying such good things about it. Yeah. I thought, well, I have to see it now. It must be really, really good. I thought it was okay. I think it's, it's cute. I, it, it wore out on me. 
Like, I thought the first half was definitely more fun than the second half. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, man, never seen the original Jumanji. Were you just too old for that? Did you just did you just miss the wave? Because that was, what, 94? I think I remember it coming out, and they just, I don't know. I mean, it really just, it just didn't appeal to me. Now, well, it definitely won't now. <laughs> they, play, they play a board game, and the uh, animals come uh, smashing through their yeah, living room. It was so good. Yeah. I watched it so many times when I was a kid. That VHS got worn out with Jumanji and Robin Williams. Yeah. I'm sure it's good. I just It is good. They just never yeah. it never looked like something I had to see. I'm sure it wouldn't be. If you weren't a kid, I mean why would you? Yeah. You know. Um Yeah, so that's just that's interesting to to know. Uh, a couple other things here is the uh so we talked extensively last week that the Oscars were cutting the uh, thing short and, you know, bet the under. Yeah. And, uh, they have already, I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, Oscars gave in and now they're going to show all the categories on television now. All of them? Yeah. Because they, all right, bet the over. <laughs> definitely bet the over on this now. It's so the Oscars and we didn't get a chance to talk about this because, uh, we didn't start the podcast yet. I don't think remind me if we did. But months and months ago, they announced the best uh, popular film category. Do you right. remember that? Yeah. And then people that got pulled in about 48 hours because people got super mad about it. And like, how would you judge best popular movie? To me, it was box office. That, I, to me, was it. I didn't know that they had pulled that. Oh, yeah. They pulled it immediately. I, I'll be honest with you. Award ceremonies you don't care. Mean, mean nothing. Yeah. I, I only care about, really, the Oscars just because of the prestige. But it's stupid. I mean, all everything about it's dumb. And I get it. The movies that win Best Picture are always movies that I find boring. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're they're, they're prestige pictures, but I mean they obviously sh- have a, a particular thing they like. Yeah. And oh, that's one hundred percent it. And it's not what I like, so I just, this, I this year is the most populous watchable list of movies I've ever seen. Like you can tell that they're definitely I mean Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Panther are both nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Those are very watchable movies to Anyone? What are the other? Ones? Um, the other ones are. Uh, I mean, Vice is up there, and I, I would say like, if you like anything that's drama related, you know, that's sure it's not good. But um, and then it's uh, Black Klansman, which I think made a decent amount of money. I think a lot of people seen it, and I think that can be watched by mm-hmm. a pretty mass audience. I think. Um, and then there's the other ones that like the favorite, that's very limited, and then oh, Green Book. That's the other one that's. Very. What was the favorite about? That was Yargos Lanthimos's one about the three ladies from like 1800s France. Um, oh, there, there's your winner. I talked about it, it on here a few weeks ago. No, it's great. It's the guy who did the lobster. I was the one that talked about it. Um, yeah. um, but it doesn't hit a mass audience because it's really weird and it is slow. Um, but like Green Book, Black Landsman, Black Panther, and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Those are pretty. I think anybody can watch top style movies. Right, but I don't think they'll win Best Picture. You know, so the, the only reason why I want to talk about this is the fact that we talked all last week about how they finally cut it. I was totally for them cutting the show down because it's too long and boring. I'm not watching it this year for the first time because I don't care anymore. The only reason why this year is fun is because that Best Picture race, usually every year you know, right? Like, mm-hmm. last year, Shape of Water was going to win. Everybody knew it. And I was starting to think back of years past of, like, who was going to win. The year before, it was between, like, La La Land and Moonlight, and they did that whole mess up where they screwed the envelopes up that I still think they intentionally did just to get a lot of press. Because um, it seemed like too stupid of a thing to have happen at, you know, maybe the most major point of 
the day. Like, I was like, you sure you're not just trying to become the number one talk for the next week? Because it's a pretty good way of doing it. Um, but, uh, so usually you know, but this year is the first year where I don't think anybody actually knows who can win. I think there's strong cases for Green Book, which is the average kind of easygoing movie that people can watch. And it's been seen by a lot of people. People are saying Black Panther could win, which would, I don't surprised. think it's possible. I'll be surprised because I liked it too much. <laughs> well, Honestly, and I think that's the, the I think that's the way. Not only is the academy getting younger, but they're also starting to understand the way people are watching movies now. The fact that Black Panther's nominated is a big deal, yeah. and the fact that it's actually probably in the top half of winners. The favorite can't win. Vice can't win. Um, oh, and Roma, the Spanish movie that you didn't watch, uh, um, that's up there to win too. Um, and that seems more like what. It'll be it'll, it'll probably it might just knowing what I know about those films, yeah. it'll probably go to something like Roma or The Favorite or Green Book, right? Rather than um, Black, Black Panther. Panther or Black Klansman, which I would say Black or Bohemian Rhapsody or Bohemian, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody is no shot of winning. Yeah, um, Green Book actually is as indie as it is. It's definitely a popular to me would be a movie that people can watch. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I think it just had a, I, like I said, the trailer I think is horrible and marketed the movie really bad because I liked it a lot. Um, and people are also saying Black Klansman might win as a way to give Stanley an award, or Stanley, Spike Lee an award. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Oscars like to do that where they're like, oh, you haven't gotten an award and you're old. Like the big one this year is, uh, oh gosh, I'm horrible at names. Um, Spike Lee's one of them for director. Like they're like, Maybe he'll get it. He's never got one. Like mm-hmm. the Oscars like to do that too. But it would be shocking if Black Panther could somehow win. I would I'll, love it because it'd be awesome. I'll bet against it. I would. Hope to and it's strictly <laughs> not putting it's money. Strictly on due it. to the fact that I enjoyed Black Panther. Yeah. Therefore, it won't win. If that's it won't. the picture because the movies I like never win anything. That's why. Right. That's why I don't watch the awards. I don't care. And it's to, well, and that's why when they announced that's the whole reason why they wanted the popular category award. It literally was a way for people to that don't care like you to maybe care, mm-hmm. and that's why I was like, "It's a fine idea." And then they were like, "Oh, but but what do you consider a popular movie?" I'm like, "Just go off box office then. Literally take the top five movies that made the most money at the American box office. Boom. Mm-hmm. Technically, that to me means you're popular. Yeah. Whether you're good or not, who it doesn't matter. But if you're naming it, but would Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom get an Oscar nomination after that? Probably. But still, hey, I, I didn't dislike it. People hated it. And I was like, I think it's fine. If, it, if you're strictly going off box office. Right, gets nominated. That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> I was like, why not? Who cares? Yeah. And it's one award. What is it affecting? Right. You still have best documentary short on there. <laughs> if You have prestigious awards. Just let it be. Whatever. I'm over it. But we'll know the winner's Sunday. It is what it is. Black Panther winner. Um, so the last thing I'll talk about, because it'll segue into our main movie review this week, Blumhouse announced uh, that they, they have interest in recreating, I think they're the ones that did uh, the Halloween remake. Um, and they did The newest have, one, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they've talked about this before, but now they have the two franchises that they that they're really looking at rebooting along with Halloween is Hellraiser okay. and Scream. Those are the two. No more Scream. Please. No more Scream. Um, the first one, so good. Yeah. The second one, still pretty good. And then 
The third and fourth, for me, I, I only like the first one. I, and the second one's fine. I'm fine with it. It's a I, little goofy. I didn't like it. It's goofy, man. I like um, Timothy Oliphant as uh, one of the two bad guys. I liked him. I think he was good. The other one, though, with uh, Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne as the reporter who's the who's that, the other killer. That was number two, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was bad. She bad. was the other. She yeah. Was, yeah, they were the two killers. Oh. Um, but the first one's great. Yeah, the first one's great. Love it. Um, so they got pin. They got the Pinhead franchise, the Hellraiser franchise. Talk about some more movies that need to stop being made. That movie's living <laughs> off one good movie, and has spawned like seven sequels, all of them straight to DVD. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> you know that there was actually supposed to be a Halloween um, Hellraiser crossover. Previously, why? How do they even fit together? You can actually spot a Cenobite in one of the Halloween movies. Really? Oh my god! Um, I feel like very few people know this, Jeez. but there is a Cenobite Halloween decoration. A, okay, on the porch in one of the Halloween movies. So that's supposed to give it away that it's a crossover. Well, it was supposed to be a little Easter egg that they were going to be doing a crossover, uh, but they never did. So now Bloomhouse owns them both. I don't know if owns them, but they're has talking. The right. have, yeah. yeah. Um, but, man, that would be an odd crossover. Hellraiser's an odd universe that they have created. Yeah. Like, I think people, people when they, they just think of the one guy with the nails in his head, right. they forget about the other people involved who are all even weirder than the guy with the nails in his head. Yeah. And they'll uh, that movie is, for is I don't think people even remember what it's about other than, oh, it's the guy with the na- pinhead. I'm like, do you remember you when know? he was like, they're throwing people in this room, and they're he's eating them and growing. Like that was messed up. Did you up. know that those those pins in his face were originally not supposed to be part of the costume? Really? They had put these pins into like a mannequin head. Okay. Um, so they could draw the squares in or whatever, and it just looked so cool that they did it. That they left them in. Sweet. Yeah. Well, now I think the iconic character they created a character that's so iconic just off a of look. Yeah. I mean, the character when you really look at its history of importance. Outside of just how cool he looked, so low. Yeah. So low. But yeah, I, I know. Please no more scream. Go with Hellraiser. At least there's something you can do there. The first the first Hellraiser, and actually the second one, they were both done by Clive Barker. And the second one is kind of a continuation of the first one. Right. Um, I like those two. And the second one's still a rough go. They're they're hard to watch in the, in the sense that they are so just visually disturbing. They are. That first one is still so creepy. Weird. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's some of the creepiest movies I've ever seen. I haven't seen most of the direct-to-video sequels, but the first two I thought were were pretty good, and I can see them rebooting that. I mean, if anything could use a reboot, why not that? I mean, it's, right. I, I think that's too. When I when I read them too, I was like, oh, Hellraiser, sure. Scream, no, mm-hmm. go away. Especially that fourth one that came out a few years ago. Is Bloomhouse the ones doing uh, Candyman also? Um, that sounds right. I think so. Yeah, so Bloomhouse is going all in on uh, Jason Blum or Bloom or however you say his name is going all in on the. Apparently, yeah. Well, because uh, that segues us, because uh, Happy Death Day Two, yeah, you is a Bloomhouse, uh, yeah, creation, uh, sequeling there, actually quite well received and quite fun. Happy Death Day, first one that came out a couple years ago. Yeah. I really liked Happy Death Day, the first one. Yeah, I did as um, well. I saw it, probably not expecting a whole lot, and actually, I think the more I thought about it, the more I really enjoyed it. I think they took a really fun idea. Um, it's pretty easy to describe the movie. It's Groundhog Day, but a horror movie. Um, 
It's about a girl that every on her birthday she is murdered, and she wakes up on her birthday again, and she keeps being murdered over and over. She's trying to figure out who's murdering her so she can put an end to it, and every time she's murdered, um, she just wakes up again and has to repeat the same day all over again. Yep. Um, great idea. Really fun, fun idea. Fun concept. And um, and they kept the movie like light. And yep. fun and quick, and it never got an, an idea that could get old. Uh, didn't right? It was, I, I, yeah, I. It was a movie that I kind of went in the same way John did. I was like, okay, it, me and my wife went and seen it. We're bored. Why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, we both came out. We're like, okay, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun, light, easy breeze PG thirteen horror flick. Right. It, I mean, it, that's it. Felt fresh. It did. You know, it, it was kind of a new thing. Um, to take the Groundhog Day concept but bring it to a horror movie, I thought, why not? Why not? Sounds great. Um, and they did it well. Yeah. And the twist was was good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I it, there's nothing bad about it. I mean, it's just it's just good. It's, it's good. Yeah, I actually rewatched it right before seeing the new one because um, it had been a while since I'd seen it, and I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was really great. But I actually noticed more things in it. Little, sure, like little detail here, yeah. Little clues that they had planted. And I thought sure. this is actually pretty well crafted. Right, they made a pretty good movie. You know, and I love the parts in the first one where she, after you know, she realizes it's happening. After she kind of accepts mm-hmm. that it's happening, like the one day she just goes ham. She's like, "I know I'm going to get killed at the end of the day. Yeah, let's just I'm just gonna do whatever I want." Right. I'm like, right. Who wouldn't take that day? Who wouldn't realize that like this is constantly happening? Well, I guess I have the data go and do anything and do whatever I want all day. And knowing that at the end of the day, it's not going to affect me. That's, that's a page taken right from ground. Right. And it's so when Bill Murray realizes the same day, it's going to happen over and over. And they, why not? I think they steal a car and they're, that's exactly driving through the, um, on the train tracks, the cop pulls them over. Heck yeah. (laughs) He's like, who hasn't wanted GTA to be (laughs) some flapjacks from you? (laughs) Just didn't care. (laughs) That's that's cute and clever. Like yeah. that's fun. Uh, so I mean, that's the first one. So then they they come out with this one, and it opens with uh, again. I left my notes at uh, home, but it's uh, the character who walks in on them in the beginning. Yeah, I can't think of. His I'm gonna name. I'm gonna pull um, up the names right now. Yeah, there's an Asian character with blonde hair that in the original Happy Death Day he has maybe three seconds of screen time. Again and again and again. He's the guy that every time she wakes up, he walks into the room and yeah, he. It's uh, in the na- in the movie. His name's Ryan. Okay, it's the guy who always walks into the room and like makes the joke of right. Oh, they're doing it, and right. that's his whole role. Yeah, and then that's what this starts with is is him pretty much getting stuck in the same. Yeah, um, I went into this movie first of all without having seen the trailer, so I didn't even know what to expect. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't know what the premise was. I just knew that it would be more of the same concept, which I enjoyed. So I deliberately avoided all the trailers. I didn't want to know what the premise was. So when this movie began and he wakes up, he's in his car. He wakes up, he gets out of the car. I recognized him right away. Yep. And he starts walking towards the the dorm, and I wasn't sure if this was the same day. And we were going to see what he was doing before he walked into that room. And that was what I was thinking originally. Yeah. They kind of pull kind of a, you know, they kind of set it up like that. I think on purpose. So you're kind of, you're a little you're, not, you're a little unsure where you're at in the storyline at that point. Right. And um, basically, it's it's not that same day. He opens the door and you realize it's actually the next day. Yep. Um, 
so we've we've gone past the storyline from the first one. It's the new day. They've you know they've broken out of that loop because she solved her murder at the end of the first movie, and um, it's not long before we're introduced to his science. Well, he he he's killed. He gets killed. Yep. He gets killed. He wakes up back in his car and realizes it right away. Pretty much that this is happening again. Like, well. He hadn't experienced it before. So. He hadn't, but he but the second day he he, he gets knows he knows what's going on. Yeah, He's like this is messed up because even like the first like the guy the homeless guy pops up from the bushes he throws a rock at and that's right away. It's like he's understanding that yeah I'm deja vuing like an entire day right. So he's not playing dumb. He totally gets that like oh this is happening yeah. And then you learn why he's a really smart guy yeah. who's creating a science project. Yeah, he's built this this science fiction machine for his school project. Yeah. It's a big, it, it just screams science fiction. -y. It's a big silver, big, big portal orby orb. thing with lights that flash. I mean, it, if this movie was made back in like the forties and they had this kind of a scene, oh, in yeah. it, it would have been the same machine. It was just like a big sci-fi orby light up flashy thing. It's just a thing. It's a thing. It's a sci-fi. There's thing. no name for it either. Today I was trying to come up with like, what do you call it? They didn't like they time. It, oh, in the movie? Did, yeah. Did it have a name? They had a nickname for it. They called it Sissy. Sissy. That's right. Because they always called it her. Yeah. yeah there was like, where is she? Where? This is where. She, come on. Yeah. And apparently, it's really important because the dean, the dean of the university, this apparently pretty high league, is really involved in the science project. <laughs> well, he's mad at them for having that thing because it keeps blowing the fuses Jesus. at the... <laughs> and apparently it's the dean's job to figure out where the electrical outlets and uh, fuses are. He's very angry. He's very mad. He's not very forgiving. He doesn't He doesn't come into the room and say, you know, I know you guys worked really hard on this. and What could be a <laughs> modern breakthrough of epic proportions. Right. He's already pissed off he's kicking the door in he's like no he's got a couple security guards with him you know take it away yep um but it turns out that this machine is pretty important to the whole storyline because it's somehow what caused this time loop um and this movie unlike the first movie which is a horror movie this movie quickly becomes a science fiction movie I don't think there's actually very much murder in it. I think I counted two murder scenes, unless I'm wrong. But I'll have to go back and count again. I think there was two. Two or three, yeah. Because it's yeah. not about... It's Now it's more about... Well, we can. I mean, it's told pretty much right away that what he is in is he's in a second life loop. Pretty much is what we've learned. We learned right away that there's two of them. Right. I mean, that's not a spoiler. I mean, that's in the first, like, 15 minutes of the It's movie. actually in the trailer, too. I, oh, is it? Okay. After watching the movie, I did go watch the trailer. To Just see, to see what they gave away. I wanted to see how they advertised it, because I was very disappointed that this was not a horror film, that it was instead a science fiction movie, and I thought, well, maybe they advertised it that way, and I'm just an idiot for not watching it. I'm the sure they advertised it the same way the first one was. They did. Okay. They really don't... They show you one shot of the, the machine in the trailer. It's about a second long. They don't say anything about it it's just glimpsed okay um they basically advertise it the way they advertise the first film okay so even if i had seen the trailer i would have still been disappointed by this but um yeah the the they, they the more they talk about the machine and try and explain it and why it's causing this time loop the less interested in the movie i got well because it's nothing 
it's, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of nothing. It's sci-fi nonsense. Yeah. So what happens is, is they figure this out, mm-hmm. and uh, they they get the machine, and the machine, right as all of them are, you know, the dean's trying to stop it, it does an explosion or whatever, and they all fall backwards, boom, Tree wakes up, reliving the same day she was in the first one. Right. So that's how they set it up. So yeah. now Tree obviously completely understands, She's a, she makes a couple jokes. Here's my problem with the movie. In the first half, it took itself lightly. Mm-hmm. Like, she makes jokes of, I'm a veteran, I know how to do this. Like, like the, she's done this before, because she has. Yeah. 11 times, she says. And uh, I was like, okay, that's funny. You know, it's 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 clever. They're kind of making fun of itself. It didn't take long for that to completely switch into the sci-fi, serious movie that it wanted to be. Yeah. And it was no longer light and fun anymore, like the first one. Yeah. The first half hour is light and fun of this movie. You know, it's kind of giggly, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then it stops. Until the last 15 minutes where... They kind of try to incorporate the comedy while the big ending's happening, and it's horrible. I know I'm jumping the gun there, but I need to throw that out there. This has become so much less fun than it should be. So, yeah, so now we're back with Tree. Tree, apparently now her new self in this uh, life can speak to people really well because what they know is that they need to get this movie going. She talks these people into this crazy idea of the time continuum, her having another, really easy, every single day. She has to get these people in a room. They have to continue to work on this machine so they can fix the problem. That's the, that's the gist. Yeah. So every day she wakes up, she has to memorize some more about the machine so she can tell them so they can right. keep working on it. Yeah. Man, every day is pretty easy to get them people back in this room and to firmly believe that she is not completely bonkers insane yeah of a girl that again they don't know like they repeat that like we don't even know this girl but you know she must have a double in another life and another planet we believe come on (laughs) if you're if you're a nerd and your your main passion is this science machine and it hasn't been functioning and all of a sudden this girl shows interest in it and wants to work on it with you yeah you play along every single day every single time i think you do. oh jesus john giving it too much credit so yeah so then you get this so that's where they go with it you know it's now who's the killer this time they that you learn that the story is her rep- repetitive story is a little different now she has to figure out that difference is really it and she yeah. learns that she's in the double her, her mom who was did, dead in the first one is here. She needs to decide, does she want to stay in this life? Right. Or go back to the old life. And the killer from the first movie is actually not the killer. Right. Which is pretty obvious. Again, this is all first half hour of the movie. It moves pretty quick. And then now we're convoluted. She's basically in another dimension they talk about. Yes. Yes. That's... Um, and, and again, the more the more they went into it, the stupider. The, more the last I half, checked out. The I was la- just oh. interest. So it, I mean, you split this movie into three parts. First half, but besides the stupid orb, which I agree with you, fun, light, same movie, right? And uh, a couple points where we giggled. You know, I had a couple smiles on my face. I'm like, okay. Second, second half is the we got to get to the meat and potatoes of the story, and you're like, okay. That's that's fine. That last third is atrociously bad. I I don't. This is the first movie John and I have seen in the theater together since we started the podcast. I really don't like to because I try not to talk with John before we start this because we want to talk on microphone. Um, so that's why I think we try to avoid seeing a movie together because we won't be able to not talk about it. So we decided to and we're like, all right. And uh, I even intentionally kept a seat between us, which I don't do because I think that's ridiculous. And A, John's a big guy, and I know I wouldn't have my arm space that I wanted. 
That was my other two. I'm like, all right, John's big. He takes up arm room. I need arm room. Uh, so I give him space. So I'm like, I don't want to talk to John during the movie. <laughs> I don't know if you heard me. Last 20 minutes, I openly spoke out loud to myself at the stupidity of what I was seeing. Yeah. The blind part with the Dean and the, that's the there's, dumbest. Yeah, there's that, a part you're giving a little bit away, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't see it, see it ever. But there's there's a line of dialogue early in the movie where oh. um, it's established that one of the characters is going to be playing a blind character in a play, and that comes into play later on where she, in order to get so <laughs> so the sci-fi machine, they've. <laughs> Okay, where do I go from? Okay, so this movie gets really convoluted. Let me try. And it doesn't let me need try to be. So basically, the, the heart of this movie is that they are trying to figure out the proper sort of formula to get this sci-fi machine to function correctly so that everyone gets returned to their proper dimension. Goes back to real life, pretty much. This is literally the plot of this movie. Um, every time the machine doesn't work correctly, tree kills herself to deliberately start the day over in scenes that could have been fun. They tried to be fun like, and they're not, you see like in the trailer, she's in her bra and panties doing a skydive from an airplane. Yeah. The, the part that they threw in a lot of stuff to for sell. a reason. To sell you some tickets. I only watched, so going, I was waiting for this comment. Yeah. I didn't want to say it in the beginning because I want to give it away later. I only saw one trailer. And you know how YouTube has yeah. the five seconds you click, you skip to a video? Yeah. I only, so I only saw five. That's the five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, she kills herself in different ways. She jumps into a, uh, what do you call it? A wood chipper. Oh, uh, yeah. At one point. Okay. But that's why I say there's not really a lot of murder scenes in this. It's her killing herself on purpose sure. because she needs the day to start over. So they can try a different code right. on the machine to try and get her to return to her original dimension. Yeah. And that remember when she when she electrocutes herself in the bathtub, she wakes up with crazy hair. She does. That makes sense. No. No. Uh, <laughs> they, they do establish that she, the injuries that she receives in this is actually in the first movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, but that's not what that is. That's kind of where they were going. With Sorry, that. but yeah. What would that look like to the kid in the room if he was watching her sleep? Right. That suddenly, was my first thought. Suddenly her hair... Yeah, she electrocutes herself, and then when she wakes up the next day, her hair is sticking out. Stupid. And smoke is coming off her yeah. head, too. Yeah. But anyway, so... She throws herself in a wood chamber, though, wakes up the next day, looks gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, the, so the movie is her killing herself to restart the day so that they could try a different code on the machine and try and get her back to her original dimension. Um... They've tried every possible code except for one. It's always the last And code. it's always the day <laughs> that she thinks is her last day. That, yes. That she get, has no... I was going to get to that. That's kind of what I was leading up to. Oh, okay. Sorry. But, uh, so, yeah. So, so <laughs> they figured out what the code must be. Because we've tried all the others. Yeah. And they didn't work. So, it must be this particular code. Um, the machine, right before it, it gets to, to work, the, the guy comes in, the dean from the school, and takes the machine away and locks it in his office. So they said, well, I guess tree, I guess you're going to have to kill yourself and restart the day again. And she goes, I don't think I can do it any more times because I'm pretty sure I'll remain dead. Cause I've been receiving injuries. 
I don't know where she got this idea. She didn't. She's she walking around. She seems healthy. She seems pretty good. She woke up and her stomach hurt a little more. Right. So instead of three so, seconds of pain, it was like ten. So even though she's died between the two movies, it's got to be twenty. Yeah, somewhere twenty-five times. They kind of allude that it's been a couple of weeks in this one. Like, okay. right? Like once they get to the end of the, they kind of allude that it's been a couple of weeks. So, so let's say twenty-five. Yeah. So she, so she's died probably over the course of the two movies, probably twenty-five times. But somehow she's decided that that was her last time. Yeah. There was no urgency going in the last. Uh, before the last day got repeated, it wasn't like I don't. This is my last one of these. Yeah, I feel like it's coming to an end yes. or something. We got to figure it out quick. Um, no, she was happy to jump into wood chippers, jump out of planes, do whatever she needed to to just keep restarting the day. But now that the the machine, now that they figured out the code, we got no more resets. So instead of just resetting the day, they've got to break into the dean's office. This is actually the movie. Yeah. They've got to break into the dean's office, and the way they're going to do that is by calling up the friend who can play a blind person and who's going to go in and create a distraction while they steal the Dean's keys, get into his office, steal the time machine out, dimension hopper, whatever you want to call it, run the machine, return tree back to her original dimension. That is what this movie is about. It is. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And that is where, uh, uh, I said to you after the after the movie again. We tried not to talk, other than the fact that we both let each other know that this movie is extremely stupid. Um, is that that is midway through when it felt like this is a young adult movie? The first one, of course, it's a PG thirteen horror movie that's really light and airy. The ki- people in it are what 20, 21? Yeah. You know, it's gonna uh, you know it kind of gets a gambit of people that watch. You know how movies you watch, Hunger Games, all them movies, Maze Runner, they feel like they're made for a certain audience, you know, the high schoolers. This movie diverted into that, and that ending sequence, and then the ending hospital scene, with like how that stupid, as stupid can be, and not not even worth talking about, I don't even care. You know what I love is the hospital in this, it's so... That is not staffed by anyone. And it's so dimly lit. (laughs) Who's ever been in a hospital? It's this dark. I know. And there's, there's, a, a, there's a receptionist trying to read a book. Can she even see the see, pages? Right. <laughs> you know, the, my part was, is they're shooting guns and yeah. right. There's not a person in sight. And I openly said to myself in the theater, where's the staff? <laughs> I don't care if it's overnight. Have you been in overnight in a hospital? There's still a lot of staff there. Cause you know, hospitals be lights don't on, stop especially working. Oh, it's, you know, so here's my funny part. So, uh, as stupid as we've said, and I'm done talking about this because it's so bad. This is my part that adds to your tree part where she says, this is my last. So, of course, also, on what is it, the last day or second to last day, they go to do the the, the big orb, and it they get right to the end, and uh-oh, there's a, they get a virus. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they make the porn joke that you know it's coming. How long is it going to take you to fix it? Uh, six, seven hours? Where did you get that number? Why Why is it six to seven hours? Oh, is it because that's the exact time? Because we already know it's midday and she has till midnight. Mm-hmm. Does that put us late in the evening, like 10-ish? Because we know it, then you're up. How, how would he know that? Like, oh, I know this. It, I was just like, that's such a stupid line. Uh, not only are you trying to get people's mind, like, oh, they're going to run out of time. But it's also like, you don't know it's going to take. Six to seven hours is a pretty exact amount of time it's going to take you to fix this computer. Ugh. I'm done. What else do you have to say about it? Which just that my my unanswered question that I still had burning 
from the first movie was still not answered in this movie. And that was, all right, every day she wakes up, and the first thing that happens is she gets a phone call from her dad. And you remember the ringtone? Yeah. It plays a thousand times. Um, it goes, hey, it's my birthday. Yeah. Um, you pick up the phone. I've never heard of a phone that plays different ringtones depending on what day it is. So did she set her ringtone the night before to the birthday ringtone? Oh, right, right, right. In anticipation of her birthday. Of her birthday? She could have. She could have set it before. Partying, she could have said right. Getting drunk. She's out there setting her ringtone to the birthday theme song. Sure. Let's just go with it. I, I it's it's always bothered me since the first movie. And then I guess I have to say one more thing. That end credit scene. So stupid. And I swear if they make another one of these, I'm never seeing it. But that was well, they, so dumb. They kind of why they've kind of written themselves into a spot where they can't because she she established in this one that she can't die any more times. Now in this one they oh John they kind of <laughs> you're thinking far too logically. <laughs> they they do kind of pass the curse on to another character in this one, but which is there's no way that if they made a third one they would not have tree in it. Well, and that passing on so st- and, and a joke that is not funny. In any way, like, because it's pretty much a big joke. Like, we're going to, not only did these kids just have this insane thing happen to them, the FBI or whatever these people are going to roll it's like up. like the men in black. It was so stupid. I'm like, when, when that scene started, yeah, so there's this final scene where the... the They're going to take them and show them pretty much probably the most top secret <laughs> thing in the world. The men in black show up at the end. Of, I'm sitting there going, it's Ooh, see, it's a secret sequel to the men in black. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Even though I saw that. Did you see the trailer for the new men in black? Yeah, it looks Ugh. good. Oh, okay. like how, how M. Night did the secret the secret sequel to Unbreakable. This could have been a secret men in black, black sequel, sequel. The, way they, the way they ended it. Ugh. Yeah, we're done with that. I'm done talking about it. So Don't bad. see it. It's horrible. It's one of the worst things I've watched in a long time. All I wanted was more of the same. And one. you know, obviously, I don't want I don't don't want the same thing, but I wanted the sameness with some difference in there. And I, you know, honestly, I didn't think the whole if done completely different, like the whole idea of her being two dimensions with she has to choose between her mom. I'm like, that's a decent idea there, like that her mom's alive in this one, and that's was a big part of the first one because she's in a different dimension. But that's it. That's like the only part of it. I was like, okay, I like that. It's interesting. Okay, I was I was done with that pretty quick. What I would have liked to have seen for a sequel would have been, um, it's a year later, it's her birthday again, the next birthday. It's your birthday. Yeah, and she's been living her life fine. She solved her murder. Everything she seems to think is fine. And out of nowhere, she's murdered and wakes up on that birthday uh-huh. and has to solve it again. I would have been on board. Just sure. another, just another go around. Yeah, well, that was the thing, you know. Say, m- take out the science fiction convoluted mess it was. The killer part was the same thing and dumber. Yeah, the killer, like the hospital, the, the hospital stuff, and that, and the killer from the first one, that guy who gets, uh, it's, it's, it's so dumb, and the motivation's really weak. The mo- yeah, the motivation didn't make any sense. Um, they. It, it, it felt very sort of cliche to the way it was revealed and totally um, so lame and same. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're done. Can't talk about it anymore. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I watched a movie called draft day. You want to talk about that? One? I'll let you, I, I haven't seen it since probably when I first came in. I don't, it's one of the movies that in one ear out the other to me, 
ever since the Super Bowl, I've been kind of in a football mood, and um, I hadn't seen this one when it first came out. Um, it's Kevin Costner. He's usually pretty good. And it's basically a film about the NFL draft. And it takes place over a 12-hour period. Um, I won't say too much about it. Um, I will just say that it's boring, not worth watching. Um, it felt like they made this movie because they were like, what's an aspect of sports that hasn't had a movie made about it yet? The draft. Let's do it. And it really wasn't... It really wasn't interesting or exciting. And I like these kind of movies. I like movies that show sports off the field. I love the Moneyball. The whole time I was watching this, it, I just kept being reminded about how good Moneyball was. Um, but this movie, it's supposed to feel tense and like, you know, stressful as, as to what decision they're going to make because this is the future of the franchise. But, um, and there's, a, there's even a clock that ticks down on the screen that shows you kind of where you're at. It's like, oh, it's four hours until the draft. Oh, it's two hours. It's, you know, it keeps ticking down. And I just didn't feel like it was that um, that stressful or that intense. It, did, it didn't feel, it just didn't feel important, you know. So I felt kind of bored watching it. But And the way it ends is kind of silly, I thought. Um the, the premise is that at the beginning of the film, so Kevin Costner is like the general manager of the Browns and he makes this big trade. He trades away the next three first round picks, which no one would probably ever do. Well, he took a lot of heat for it in this movie. Well, because it happened like that type of trade only happened pretty much one time in history. And it was with, and the only reason why I really know about it is because I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan and the Vikings were the ones that did it. Was it for Warren? It was for Herschel Walker or Herschel Walker. Yeah. That was the big thing where they traded like two or three years worth of first and second round picks to the Cowboys in the early Mm nineties. And, Got Herschel Walker. Game one against the pack. No, game one against the pack. 180 yards, three touchdowns. And people were like, greatest trade ever. Yeah. This didn't, it fizzled out the next week, never showed up again. Cowboys took all them draft picks, drafted Troy Aikman, built their <laughs> whole team, won three Super Bowls in about five years with the draft picks that they got. Yeah. And I'm like, so that's why this does not happen anymore because people yeah. go, Remember that time the Vikings screwed up royally? Well, Don't when do you, it again. When you put all your eggs in one basket, there's right. always a chance that the guy's not going to live up to expectations. Or what if he gets injured? Right. He well, get, get injured on game and one. And it's even this year. The big deal was the Oakland Raiders traded Khalil Mack, their middle linebacker, to the Bears for a first-round draft pick. And people were like, to the Bears, you are nuts! One first-round pick and probably something else, I'm sure. Probably nothing relevant. For a middle line, granted, he's great. And he came in and played top five best in the league this year, and now it's the greatest thing. But that was one pick. One pick. Not not three. Yeah. For, from the Browns, by the way, who there's a reason why the Browns is the team. They suck all the time. So their, their first-round picks are going to be up pretty high. Always. Um, so, yeah, so he takes a lot of heat um, for trading away the first or the three first-round picks for the – for the number one pick overall in this draft. So he gets to pick out of everybody. He gets to pick the best player. And there's this quarterback who's a top prospect that everyone assumes he's going to take. And he's he's got 12 hours to make his decision. And he's kind of diving into the guy's like off-the-field life and kind of seeing maybe some red flags. And so it becomes a, 
uh, a situation of does he does he go with this top prospect or does he choose somebody else? And um, the way it kind of unfolds at the end, it doesn't really to me. This movie didn't really get interesting at all until towards the end, and that's where things were actually happening. And I'm just going to tell you how it plays out because it's not that interesting of a movie, and you probably shouldn't watch it. But um, he he ends up choosing the guy that they were originally going to take back before this trade even went down, back when they had the number seven pick. Um, they had a guy that they thought they were going to probably get for numbers as their seven, as their number seven pick. They end up taking him as their number one pick. So he traded away all three <laughs> um, for the guy they were probably going to get anyway. Um, In real life, he'd be fired. Right. Well, they almost did. He goes, give me five minutes. Let me do my job. Nope. So the the big twist is uh, the quarterback that they didn't, that they passed on, he gets passed on at number two and number three. Oh, that's right. He keeps getting passed on because nobody else needed a quarterback. And it gets down. What NFL fantasy land are we living in where nobody (laughs) needs a quarterback? But keep going. It gets to the number six pick. And the team that has the number six pick, uh, I forget which team it was, but whatever team it was, calls Kevin Costner up and says, what is it you know that I don't know? Why did you pass on him? And he says, I think he's a bust, but I tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to give me your number six pick, and I'm going to give you my next three years second round picks. (laughs) So the guy goes, Okay. Of course. <laughs> Nobody's saying no to that. So they get the number six pick. The quarterback that was supposed to be the top prospect is still up for grabs. Kevin Costner calls up the Seahawks and says, and that's the team that he originally traded his all three first-round picks to. Calls up the Seahawks. This gets worse now that you're talking about it. And he says, here's the deal. I know you want that quarterback. Well, apparently they didn't because they just gave you their number one right. pick. They thought you were going to probably pick him. Yeah, but I unless I missed something, he calls up the Seahawks. He says, "I know you wanted that number one that that quarterback. Here's what I'll do: I will give I will give you this number six pick, which I have. I'm next to pick. You can then use it to get that quarterback, and in exchange, I want all three of my first round picks back plus." Another guy. <laughs> so he traded his his three first round picks to the Seahawks, and now he's trading back for those same three picks plus a guy. So now he looks like a genius. Well, he is a genius because he came I mean, out ahead uh, an extra guy. He basically got three guys in the first round. Right, but it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. I've never, and it's I get it. It's a movie, but that's not even. That's not even on the wavelength of reality. And now that you say it, again, this was a movie watched, forgot about, didn't care, never had to think about it again, never probably would have if you wouldn't have mentioned it to me today. They were trying to... So stupid. They were trying to make the draft something... Yeah, something interesting and dramatic, and it just fell flat. Right, and I'm not saying that behind the scenes. I know a little bit about the draft, that those phone calls don't get made back and forth, and it's probably pretty chaotic. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't. Yeah, it was, and I like how Kevin Costner has the autonomy to do everything. That also doesn't happen. Every room is full of like forty people on each team 
with every important person, including the owners. It's like the one day the owners are involved because the owner's like, this is our money and our friend. And like, we own this. Like we're involved here. Like even the owners are involved. But, oh God. It's stupid. Yeah. And there, <laughs> there was a lot of really weird editing in this movie where they would do like a split screen, but a guy would like walk out of the split screen. I can't really explain it other than you'd have to see it. It was really distracting and it kind of confused me as to who was in the room with who at times? Like, there's a part where Kevin Costner literally walks out of one split screen. He's he's like in the hallway. Oh yeah. He's in the hallway. He's going to come into the room. He walks out of that split screen into the other split screen as if he's in the room, but then keeps going. Walks into a different split screen, so he's back out in the hallway, and then he comes through the door, and he's now in the room, and I'm like. Stop that. Yeah. Stop it. You know, and now that you say it, I remember the trailers for this movie, and that was all they would show. It, it felt like they were like, hey, we got this really boring movie. What can we do? To That's make how it, you make it interesting. To make it visually interesting. Yeah. It, it was really distracting, and I just was really put off. Yeah. That's right. Now that you say that, it totally sparks my mind of seeing the trailers for this movie, and that was the point of the trailer. They would show the screens going up and down, like, oh, yeah. I'm like, that's not interesting. <laughs> it was not. It was distracting. Okay. And... Two good movie recommendations so far. <laughs> but that's good. What we do, watch Happy Death Day, right. the first one, and then watch Moneyball. Yes. Which is good. And you know what else you can watch? If you're in the mood for Happy Death Day and you want more of that kind of stuff, you know what I really like is the Final Destination movies. Oh, yeah. I think they're comparable to Happy Death Day in the sense that they're um, basically a bunch of death scenes over and over, kind of creative, different each time. Um I think those are fun movies, and I think that they've really done a good job of really embracing what they're all about, which is basically death after death, just how, how creative... And that's what Happy Death deaths. Day and the second one didn't do. No. It were, didn't embrace itself. Yeah, there was no, there was really no murders in it. Yeah. That's what we said. Well, and it also didn't embrace the, the kind of, I mean, the, the suicide scenes it did. That was well, the part it did. Yeah, that's where it tried to do it a little bit. But other than that, by beginning and end, outside of that one minute and a half, Yeah, I mean... It just wasn't there. No. Yeah. Yeah, so check out Final Destination. I think those movies have actually gotten better as yeah. they've gone. As I think what what's happened is they've kind of realized what they are and just really embraced it and had fun with it. Yeah. That, good. I mean, if people are going to watch it, that's what they... It's the same thing I say about the Fast and Furious movies. They've embraced what they are and people watch for a reason. Yeah. Same with Final Destination. Hmm. You watch because you want to see people get killed in really ridiculous ways. And yeah. maybe you can call it coming. Like the, They kind of got you on that, too. Sometimes like, they fake you out. They fake you out. That's the yeah. point. They want you to like, uh-oh. I mean, it's all set up. It's like, why are they walking around this uh, this uh, construction site? What could happen here? And you're like, oh, okay, how are they going to do it? Is, it's it, always like a, is it this? It's is always it like a big like Rube Goldberg machine. It where it's like, you know, a domino starts to trigger something always. else. And then yeah. something falls. And, and then it's, I love the set pieces, too. It's just like. Why do why are they even in that barn full of weapons? Like <laughs> the wall is just caked caked in just every type of barn equipment that you could get. It's like I can see something fun happening here. It's gonna be good. Yep. It's funny. Um the other movie I saw <laughs> in the theater, which was better than Happy Death Day Two, um, by a little, was uh um Isn't It Romantic, which is Rebel Wilson's new uh uh rom rom com. Movie. I like Rebel Wilson. We talked about this. I think she's funny. Yeah, she's great. She she's, she, she was funny. in. She was the big girl in the Pitch Perfect movies. Yeah, Fat Amy. 
Yeah. What's her name in those? Yeah, she's good in those. I think in uh, Bridesmaids, she plays yeah. the. I love her little scenes there in Bridesmaids where she's the uh, roommate and they're just crapping on Kristen Wiig and she's she's with that other guy and they're just super weird. I think those are funny. She yeah, gets that really bad great. back tattoo that's just super infected. <laughs> and, uh, but so she's funny. So like yeah. my wife and I, you know, we had some time. And we're like, all right. Um, so what it is is the quick premise, and it's in the tra- the trailer gets it pretty easy. Is uh, she she uh, she works in an office in New York. Uh, she actually builds parking garages, and she uh, she she wakes up. Her apartment's crappy. Uh, her dog is mean, doesn't listen to her, and it's a white dog. The dog is dirty. I mean, it's like the dirtiest dog you've ever seen. She walks out, you know, New York, loud, crowded, smells, goes to the office, hates her job. But the one difference is, is she has, like, her, her best friend works in her office, and they have this really good, like, 10-minute scene that pretty much sets up the whole movie where they talk about how much they, you know, she needs to find a boyfriend. And she's like, well, and then she does the thing. Well, this isn't a romantic comedy movie, and this is why. And she talks all about why she hates romantic comedies. And she even admits to her, me and you would hate each other in the romantic comedies, because if I'm a female that works in an office, the other female, the only other one that works there, has to hate me. We wouldn't be friends. And uh, so, of course, there's uh, Adam Devine plays the guy in her office that's her like best friend. That you've oh, they got Adam Devine in Yeah. He's, the, he's also from Pitch he's, Perfect. Yeah, he's fun. Um, and, uh, you know, he likes her, but... She's, you know, she's overweight and not attractive, quote-unquote, so she doesn't think he likes her and all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. It gets to the point where she, of course, bonks her head. That's how it has to happen. She wakes up in a hospital in this, uh, in the hospital on the opposite end of the happy death they Was do. Was it well lit? It's insanely well lit, okay. and that's the joke, is that she wakes up, sun shining in, there's no equipment in the room besides a bed and the one IV thing, and the doctor comes in, super attractive. And he's like, oh my, he's talking really soft to her, like, like kind of sexual to her. And she's like, what, what, why are you talking to me? You're not a doctor. Look at you. You're gorgeous. And he's like talking to her. And then she kind of realizes that she missed her pitch meeting that she missed because she got mugged in her head. She rips out her IV and notices that it wasn't in her and it was just taped to her hand. Cause you know, always they rip the IV out and you're like, no, you don't do that. And she like even kind of mentions like, there's not. That was weird. It just came right out. She so hasn't. She, she becomes aware that she's in a movie. She this is the point. She, she she pretty much you know she runs out of the hospital and she she enters the streets of New York. New York is changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of the cell phone fix it stores and the sushi restaurants, it's cupcake stores and wedding dresses and it's beautiful. It's pink. It's mm-hmm. it's vibrant. Flowers everywhere. Beautiful music on the street. And she even starts to know. She goes. Why does it smell like lilacs out here? New York usually stinks. And she talks about how it even smells nice. Mm-hmm. So she gets home and she's still, you know, she's in that process of figuring out what's going on around her. Um, music randomly plays really, really loud. You know, like mm-hmm. making my way down. To, it's really, she's like, but they show the stereo and it's really small. And she's like looking around like, why is it so loud? And I'm like, well, it's the, it's the score. You know, mm-hmm. the best part, the funniest part to me was she gets into her, uh, uh, apartment, which is completely changed. Dog's beautiful, loves her. Huge guy. She opens up her closet, and all of her sh- she's walking closet shoes everywhere. And she's like, she calls nine one one, and she talks to the dispatcher. And the dispatcher's like, "What's your emergency?" She goes, "I think somebody broke into my apartment, stole all my stuff, and replaced it with better stuff." 
and starts telling the operator how great it is. She's like, so wait, your emergency is that your life is better now? She's like, I think that's it. And she's like, all right, bye, and hangs up on her. And I'm just like, that's funny that she called 911. Mm -hmm. So that's the point. And like Liam Hemsworth's in it. Hemsworth is in it. He plays the, you know, in her real life, he's the mean, mean, good-looking businessman. But in this world, he loves her and wants her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's when she starts to realize that she's in a romantic comedy because she's hitting all the tropes that she complained about before. Yeah. Um, maybe the other funny scene is she finally goes to, she doesn't want him, but she's like, I mean, I'd have sex with Liam Hemsworth. She's like, I mean, look at how attractive he is. So she goes to do it. And he gets naked, he jumps on top of her, and it cuts to the next morning. And she goes, oh, it's a PG-13 movie, they cut the sex scene out. And so she's like, I'm going to try this again. It's, it's, and it keeps cutting back to her waking up in the morning, so she can't actually, which is pretty funny. Um, but then you're, you know, and all that wears off in about the first half hour. Like, now the rest of the movie is a romantic comedy. Like, everything about it. Adam mm-hmm. Devine finds, you know, in her alternate world, he's with a supermodel, and now she has to fight to get him back, and then you just kind of go through the motions. So, it's kind of the problem I had with Trainwreck. Like, Trainwreck I really loved, because that was really funny, until the last 20 minutes, when it became every other romantic comedy that it wasn't trying to be throughout the whole movie. That's what this movie does. I mean, it ends exactly how you think it's going to end and exactly how every romantic comedy does. Nice part about this movie, it's like 80 minutes long, so it's super fast. Mm-hmm. And it ends. It's funny. It's fine. I mean, the, the clever idea does wear off. I mean, it doesn't last for a whole movie. Because um, then later they do, she wakes up when she, you know, fixes herself. Another alternate reality. She, she does the IV pull. She's like, ah! And it squirts up and hits the doctor right in the face. And she passes back out. I'm like, funny. I'm like, because that's what I'm like. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's a throwaway movie. It's a movie that if you have a girlfriend, wife that likes this stuff, or even you do, when it comes out on DVD, Netflix or whatever, you have no time whatsoever. Or if you have time, I mean, and you have nothing else to watch. There's nothing wrong here. But it's it's fine. So, it's all right. Cool. That sounds funny. It's funny, you know, it has its moments. I didn't, um, like, laugh out loud. Neither did my wife, really. She uh, she likes this kind of stuff, and we both came out, and we're like, okay. When you started describing it, I was thinking of, I feel pretty again. I know, I know. It's it's It follows the same wavelength with stuff like that. We talked about I feel pretty, and then, uh, you know, What Men Want came out the same weekend, you know, which mm-hmm. was the What Women Want, just reversed. It's just, like, kind of all falls along the same lines, so, you know. Watch Trainwreck instead. Trainwreck's the better version of this movie. But, uh, you know, it's it's cute. It's funny. I mean, pokes fun at rom-coms, which we've all seen. But, joke gets... Meh. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think my description makes it sound a little more interesting than it is. So, do you watch anything else? I mean, anything else we need to talk about? I know we're getting low on time before we have to head out. If not, we can always hold the next week. We always got... Uh, we always got time to talk movies, so. Um, yeah, nothing really. I mean, I, I've been watching some shows on Netflix. Um, Umbrella Academy dropped a few days ago. I've been enjoying that. It's based on a comic book by Gerard Way, who you might know as the lead singer from My Chemical Romance. Um, it was actually his, his first comic book that he did. And um, the show was great. It's a good, good adaptation of that. 
Um, been watching that. I watched the uh, Russian Doll miniseries. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I want to. It's on my list of stuff to watch. Heard it was good. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. I don't know. I didn't love it. How many episodes is it? I think eight or okay. I think eight. It's yeah. it takes a lot for me to watch a show. It's at least eight. Um, and I thought it was just too long. It just it's another one of these kind of Groundhog Day type movies where the same day keeps repeating over and over. Okay. Uh, it's Natasha Leone. She's in New York. Um, she it's her birthday again. Uh, coincidentally. Yeah, same ringtone. God, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> Just hits the same ringtone. Um, she she's at a party for her birthday, and um, it's another one of these where she, every time she dies, the same day starts over. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, she. Yeah, it. I don't know. I I just I didn't love it. I just it, it just didn't feel fresh to me. It felt it felt derivative of Groundhog Day and Happy Death Day, but. Not as not as fun not as or fun. as good as either of those. Okay, um, it's Natasha Leone playing Natasha Leone. She's, That's what it looks like. She's kind of, you know, snarky, doing her Natasha Leone thing. She I think in the does. I think in the movie that she describes herself as being Andrew Dice Clay or something like that, basically. Sure. Which is kind of what she is. You Pretty know, much. Kind of like a tough girl, tough New Yorker, girl, New York druggie, chain smoker. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's about it. Um. It. it, it it gets interesting at times, but mostly it's it's sci-fi nonsense. Okay. Yeah, it's it's basically about her trying to figure out how to how to fix the loop and how to stop living the same day over and over. And it just turns it's it turns into sci-fi nonsense. Okay. Well, then I'm not gonna watch it now. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. What else have you been watching? Uh, the last couple things I watched, I did watch, uh, and I can go over them really quick, only because they're accessible. Um, because it's the Academy Awards, I the only shorts that I try to find and watch are the documentary shorts that are nominated. Two of them are on Netflix right now. Um, one's called Endgame, which is a short about hospice the care. Avengers? Oh. Yeah, right. Oh, no. Uh, no, way more depressing than oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, it's literally about hospice care and your choice uh, at the end of life to end in a hospital or end in a home facility, and that's pretty much what it is. is they show um, a guy who... Uh, runs a home facility and what they do to prepare people for their end of life. And then it shows a case study of a lady who is dying of cancer and her life in a hospital. And it just, you know, it's a documentary short, so they only have 40 minutes or less to get the point across. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. And you kind of follow, uh, it's, you know, riveting fun stuff, as you can hear when it's uh, about death. But that's kind of, that's what the case study is. So um, that one was okay. Uh, the other one I watched was on YouTube right now. It's called Lifeboat. And uh, it's about uh, Syrian refugees that uh, get on uh, rafts and try to get float to Europe in, uh, you know, uh, search for, you know, better life in Europe. Uh, it's really interesting to know that uh, I think maybe as us being in the United States is that we're going through our own border crisis, I guess, right now. It's interesting to see that happening somewhere else. And it really is about these people and... Uh, this nonprofit group that literally saves people on the, on the water from these lifeboats and they save them. And it's, uh, it's interesting. The stats are really interesting. Like it starts with a life raft that's washed on shore and there's like, there's dead bodies in it. And, and it kind of ends that way of them picking up bodies on the seashore because, uh, um, but they say, uh, roughly like 3000 people 
are on the water trying to get into Europe every three days. So like a thousand people a day. And then they, they show them rescuing one. And I mean, literally, it's a blow-up raft. And it, from top to bottom, is filled with people. Kids, pregnant ladies and stuff. And it's them trying to get them off the water so that they don't, you know, perish. And then uh, I think it's interesting. They show them to, uh, stabbing the raft and lighting on fire. And they do that so sex traffickers don't steal the raft and use it. To, I'm like, it's it's interesting. It's it's an odd thing that I just, um, I've never seen. So that's on YouTube. Um, so that was different. Well, how do they tell the difference between the sex traffickers and the oh, there's, the non-sex traffickers that are on these rafts? I don't know. That's not what the movie's about. It's about these people on these. Oh, you definitely know that these are not. That's not what these people are. They're all on. They all got on this raft for a reason. They want to go to Europe and not be in Syria anymore. You know, and they talk to a couple of the people they rescue. Like one of the ladies says that the reason why they're on the raft to get to Syria is, or to get to Europe is. The women are prostituted there. They're raped and beaten. The kids are beaten. Then we hear Europe has a better life. So we have no other way of getting out of this life. So we have to sneak out in the middle of the night, get on a raft, get in the water, and hope for the best. And that's what they do. And then another guy talks about how they pee and poop in the raft and off the raft. And the kids sleep in it. And it's disgusting. And people die. They have no food or water. They literally get on a raft and just go. So... It's it's just interesting. So that's on YouTube. That's called Lifeboat. The last other one that's a little lighter and fun is on Netflix. It's called Period, End of Sentence. And it follows, uh, they go to India, Delhi, India. And uh, it's uh, it's really short. It's like 20 minutes. And it's about, they kind of start asking uh, uh, Indian ladies uh, about their periods. And they don't have pads. And it's a story. Yes. No, it's interesting. No, it's really fun. My wife and I, I'm like, that's cool. Um, I'm like, and it's like a, pretty much a story of how they don't have that stuff, which you don't think about. This and, was nominated for Best Documentary Short. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should watch it before you. Judge I will it. absolutely it's not. Be pretty good. It. Um, and then what it is is they pretty much build a pad uh, factory there for the women to work, and it's about women getting some autonomy over their lives because the men pretty much hold them back from even having that type of stuff in India, which is something I never would have known. Um, but it, that I thought was actually the most interesting of the three. I was like, that's something I never would have known. And it moves and, you know, it's a documentary short, so it's super fast. So that's something different. Keep my mind open. I watched some stuff. I learned some stuff. All, all, all the two for sure taught me something, which is what I guess is why I watch a documentary usually is to teach something. But, and that one's on Netflix too. So it's quick, quick, easy in and out. I watched them all in like, you know, it's less than a movie. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. No, and they were easy to they're easy to get a hold of, so that's why I watched them. So they're all interesting. You don't need to watch any of them, really. I mean, they are what they are. So I mean, it is what it is. There's better documentaries out there, but I would say the lifeboat one was probably the most interesting, just because I think we can associate really good in America right now, considering we're in a border wall crisis, mm -hmm. national emergency. So kind of hits home a little bit of what goes on in other places. So sure, but yeah. No, I think that's. Uh, it for today, right? We'll be back next week with some fun stuff. Oh, the last thing I wanted to do, quick, 30 seconds. I've said I was going to do it for two weeks now. I got it pulled up. One of our fans, which we appreciate, again, you can listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, tune in. We did get our review, and those things do help. From Kyle Hadley Thomas, who has messaged our Facebook, I think, before, too. Yeah. 
He, he wrote, uh, I listen to podcasts every day at my full-time job for 90% of the day. I have quite a lot to listen to, but this is one of my sure to go to. I love the knowledge of the film and endearing hosts. Keep up the good work. Look at that. We appreciate it, sir. Yeah, thank so, you so much. So if you write us a review, we'll, we will say it on air. Um, and it helps us out. Five-star reviews on anywhere. Uh, follow us on things. Mm-hmm. Follow, like us on Facebook and Instagram. Those are all things that uh, keep you updated with us and helps us uh, reach more more of an audience. So thank and that, you. that one was posted on iTunes. Yep, iTunes. Okay. So that was nice. We yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, very much. So, But we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for listening.